Hi, my name is Similana and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's discussion, we are going to focus in on a contemporary issue in philosophy and theology. This week is a perfect example of how I see Rav Hirsch's ideas, his thoughts, being so relevant to our century, to our generation. Questions and ideas that he was dealing with at the time have beautiful parallels in our own contemporary world. A warning Rav Hirsch gives us in this week's Parish of Eschanan. But not just a general warning, but one that I find really focuses in on questions and struggles both religious people and secular people have in our contemporary world. The best way to illustrate this was an experience I had whilst giving a talk in a school in London to some 17 and 18 year olds. I was giving them a talk on the idea of freedom and the ability to act in the world, uh, not constrained to your environment or your upbringing, the ability to transcend your upbringing and your environment and act freely, the classic religious claim of Judaism, a claim that Judaism really hinges upon. And then, of course, discussions sort of branch out from there and the fact that you as an individual have a subjective experience and the scientific community and the scientific worldview has a difficulty interacting with the idea of a subjective experience because the nature of science is the objective, seeable, testable world. The nature of personal experience seems to be a bit strange. And I was discussing this with the students, and one student put up their hand and said, Rabbi, but the self, the individual that I experience, is an illusion. It's not really there. It's a manifestation of brain states. It's a an emergent property of my brain. There's nothing real to it. There's no real me. It's an illusion cooked up by my brain to deal with the complexity of the world in front of me. Now, before we dive into this idea that the individual self or the conscious experiencing you is an illusion and the free acting individual in the world is an illusion cooked up by your brain, let's take a step back. This is a radical claim. And this radical claim is what Rav Hirsch stands against in this week's parasha. Rav Hirsch describes the term, guard exceedingly on your soul. And this idea that we read quite often is often taken to mean guard your life, protect your life, bike with a helmet. But Rav Hirsch's understanding of this is quite different. Rav Hirsch takes this guarding in a specific way, because he takes the rest of the verse into account, because the rest of the posuk describes that you saw no physical description at Har Sinai, at Chorev. You saw no God per se. You experienced revelation, but you didn't see something there. So when the Psukin tells us to guard exceedingly on your soul, Rav Hirsch takes it to mean to guard against outside influences that can pollute this idea that you experienced at Har Sinai. And that is key. And it's key that it describes as guarding your soul. And Rav Hirsch describes this warning in a very particular way. Rav Hirsch understands this as being a warning about polluting our concept of God. We're always tempted to make a physical expression of things, because then it's concrete. We can hold on to it. We can focus our mind on it. But we are being warned by the Torah. And in Rav Hirsch's language, like our soul, our soul is not something perceivable. Yes, it's a religious claim that there exists an immaterial part of us, but if we reflect upon this, that is also how we experience our individual self. It's difficult to reduce our individual self, our me, to brain states, to just the physical matter that makes up my body, 
The reason is because it's difficult for the scientific description of the world to interact with what it means to be a subjective experience. There is a reason why in philosophy it's called the hard problem. And Rapersh is describing this warning as a way that like God is an immaterial being, an immaterial idea, a personal God that we relate to but we do not see. Our soul is the same. Our soul is this immaterial substance that we cannot see, we cannot describe, we cannot touch. And there is a parallel here between those two ideas. The same way we hold on to what it means to have a soul, we can sort of parallel what it means to relate to a god. We as individuals feel that we are endowed with a personality, endowed with the ability to have a relationship. And Rav Hirsch points out that is why throughout the Jewish tradition, the comparison between God and the soul is constantly made. And the soul that we have, or the individual experiencing you that you can perceive, for you is evidence that I could also experience a relationship with something not physical. However tempting it might be to make God physical, as other traditions and other religions have done. And Rav Hirsch is warning against the idea to guard against external ideas changing your perception of what it means to have a soul. Because if you reduce what you have inside you to something merely physical, just simply an expression of brain states, as this student claimed, well then, the god that you're trying to have a relationship with must also be physical. And if the god that you're trying to have a relationship is also physical, well then, there goes all ideas of freedom, the ability to transcend your physical existence and act in the world in freedom, because if there is only matter, and the laws that act on matter, that is determinism. There is no space, there is no room for the other. There is no room for this transcendent form of relationship which we believe we have, both with God and with other people. So to recap where we're standing, guard exceedingly your soul. From Rav Hirsch's standpoint, why is that so key? And the Psukim continued to say that you saw no physical manifestation at Sinai, that revelation experience where heaven touched earth. You saw nothing there. And Rapersh says, like your soul that you cannot see and you cannot perceive, but you know is there. What do I mean by that you know is there? I don't mean any religious idea of the soul you know is there. Of course not. That's from a tradition. What I mean by the you know is there, that when you reflect on yourself and your experience, you imagine there being a distinct personality. Now, that you don't mean your brain, you mean the you. Now, arguments where that comes from or what that is, we definitely know it's there. So we can really categorize this warning into two fronts. On the one side, don't make God physical. Don't make God into a physical object, but also on you as an individual. Don't make you just an expression of the matter of the universe. The Jewish claim the religious claim across all traditions is that there is a part of you that isn't reducible to the physical. Now, I'm not arguing for that here. That is a different discussion. But that is the claim. You experience yourself. You actually know there is a you more than you know anything else. Because the only reason you know anything else is because you feel that you as an individual are there. It is something very foundational to what it means to be human, to experience yourself. That is a very important principle that allows us to make that leap, that just that, that me may not be simply physical. I can have a relationship with something that also is not physical. We are being warned not to allow that idea to be withered away and be tempted to just simply say everything is just material and go down the road 
of materialism, which leads to the destruction of everything we mean by Judaism. Now to take it full circle, back to my discussion with the student. The reason why this topic came about is I was going through one of Hersh's essays with Rivka about how he countered or he discussed certain ideas that came about in the popular zeitgeist of his community. And he explains in the essay, so aptly titled, Nature and the Bible as Seen from the Materialistic Viewpoint. I suppose trendy titles weren't that popular in the 19th century. But he describes how popular science and popular philosophy is easily accessible by people and is easily incorporated by people who don't have the time or the patience or the interest in going through all the complex steps and the discussion. Even if the premises might be true, the conclusions don't necessarily follow. And he was dealing with it on one side, but I found the parallel to our example here of my experience with this student in London. The idea that the self is an illusion you'll find all over the internet, but people don't necessarily take a step back and realize that is a radical claim. That is very extreme to take the view that everything you know, including the experiencer of the illusion, is an illusion. That is slightly difficult to wrap your head around because an illusion in general requires someone to have the illusion. Now, I'm not saying the idea is wrong or the idea has no merit or the idea can't be argued for. I might disagree with it, but my point is it's clearly not obvious. It's clearly not the obvious position someone should take and brazenly expect other people just to sort of follow through with it. It's a radical claim. It seems to be quite radical from all stances of history and life. My point is that part of what it means for Nishmartem to guard is to recognize that not only are we expected to guard our concept of God and not allow it to be polluted, let's call it, and make it physical, however tempting that might be, because it's always easier to relate to a physical object than an abstract, invisible one. Rav Hirsch is also telling us to be open to the influence of your soul, not in some sort of mystical way, but in the fact that you experience you. You experience the you that allows you to experience another who also isn't simply speaking physical, but is capable of relationship, is capable of existing, and to guard ourselves that not every trendy idea that comes about in philosophy is the gospel truth. I hope you enjoyed this week's discussion. Um, thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful Shabbos.